and action. Like, if you don't like what I'm saying, you don't have to listen to me. You can walk away. You can go away. You don't ever have to be in the same space as me. Like, there's a lot of choices that can lead up to you. Like, you like leading up to it, like, as long as it's not hate speech, it shouldn't be a problem. Like, but I can't think of anybody that's telling jokes that are hate speech. Right? Just, like, right. a joke is offensive by nature. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. Like, when people, yeah. like, when you make a joke about me, if I'm game for the joke, that's fine. Right. But when I, when you're, when you're attacking me out of meanness and spite, and you're laughing because you're being mean, that's not joking anymore. Like, that's not a place of kindness. That's not a place of, like, we're all having fun here. Ha, 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 look at us joke. Right? But our ethics are out the fucking window. So when we're talking about eating ethically and we're talking about living ethically and we're talking about all of these choices that we can make as people to do better, the problem is is people are so focused on themselves and so focused on convenience that they don't even want to take the jobs that are being offered to them because, oh, I could make more money doing Uber. Okay, I guess you could. You could, then, then do it. Great, then do it. Like, go do that. Like, I'm not knocking you. Go do it. Like, you don't want to, like, if you don't want to learn a skill in a trade where you can make more money eventually down the road, sure, go do that. But what are you going to do when Uber goes out of business? Because I hate to tell you this, but taxi drivers were a thing until there were Uber. And now they're still sort of a thing, but Uber took over. Lyft took over. If you think that this is the last version of it, you're very mistaken. There are going to be new versions of everything coming. And the only people that last and the only people that stay for a long time are the ones that give out the most quality for the best price. They adapt, and um, there's a code of work ethic, consistency, discipline, um, commitment, uh, loyalty. That's a that's a big one, and an understanding that if you're going to be good at anything, not even great, just good, it takes a long ass time, you know. And we have so many examples now. Unfortunately, one of the unfortunate things with technology, it's so easy to reach to your phone and look at a success case, but we have no idea their background. You know, kids coming up, whether it be in high school or in college, it's like. You just see the success part. You don't see the the work that went in the four a.m. wake up. You know the really long days that after everybody leaves and you know you're sitting there as an owner cleaning toilets. Like I still get to the gym and clean the entire gym at four thirty in the morning. One is because I want to stay humble to do that. I want my hands in there. I want to be doing that, and and I'm that's what I do well. I do that good. But you don't see that part. Sure. Like, so if there's a point where your business gets really successful, you know, they're not going to see the, the the late night podcast, the all the nonsense, but the stress, yeah. the risks involved. Because all they see is, dang, he's in good mood every day he shows up. He's just on. He's ready to go. We've got good work ethic, and that's it. Well, what about the other nonsense? What about the arguments with the wife and the the battles on, on the scene where the people aren't, you know, it's not all pretty. But ethics work ethic commitment discipline loyalty is is getting dropped oh yeah and it's it's going down a bad road well it's funny because i have a new kid working for me and he came up to me he was like hey i'm gonna i didn't take lunch today do you mind if i take off early and i was like bro you're an adult 
Like I like this is the only expectation I have of you right now is that you're new here. I expect you to be whoever you are as authentically as you can be it. So I don't have any surprises down the road. That's what I want from you right now. I don't care about anything else. Like do the job, do the work and show me who you are. Right? So if that means you're going to show up 10 minutes late every day or you're going to you're going to do, you know, you're going to be on your phone for an hour or you're going to leave early because you didn't quote unquote take a lunch, like fine. Just like then I can adjust. I can adjust what I can expect from you and I can adjust what I need from you and I can then I can just have an informed decision of like okay, you're going to be a good fit for this team. Right. Right. But the moment you start faking it, the moment you start pretending to be something you're not, then I'm going to get blindsided by something and then I'm going to go, oh, okay, well, fuck this. This isn't going to work for me. Like, this is not what we signed up for. Yeah. Right? So it's this, the work ethic is what I'm learning from you based on what you're going to do in the first three months of you being here. I think three months is a pretty good assessment of like, okay, what are you, what's the effort that you're putting in? And then what's the quality of the effort coming out? But people don't see what it takes. First of all, I don't think most people are great in general. I think most people don't become great at anything. I think most people, when they're at their peak, they're good. And then great people do more and and probably make more money and are probably at a higher status. That's why they're a less percentage of people. The average person on their luckiest day is good. Yeah. Then there's great people that help run stuff and are help, you know, the people that were great above them, the people that are phenomenal and awesome at stuff that grow multi-million dollar companies and run those businesses and stay ethical inside of that and remain do you think you can do that do what run businesses that are that successful and still say ethical yes i think there's few that do it but i, I think, think it's, it's tough to do it's very tough to do almost impossible almost impossible but you have to do it from the beginning if you get to a place of success by sacrificing your ethics then they will never return you will always have to be in that unethical spot. I strive to make sure that I am ethical to to my morals and ethics when I do business. And I think because you're one of my clients, I think you can speak to it, but that's pretty much what I how I live my life. Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is how it's going to be. And if and if somebody comes to me and says, "I'm not happy," I typically go, "What are you not happy with?" And if it's something that I agree with, and I can adjust, then I'll do it. But if it's something that I disagree with and that I think that you're pretending or you think that you know more than me about my profession from your seat, I say that. And I say, I don't I don't think you understand video as much as you think you understand it. I don't think you understand content in social media as much as you think you understand it. So maybe be open to the idea that consistency and authenticity all the time is the most important thing. And if we're going to get away from that, then it's not going to work and I can't be held accountable for that that falling short of something. Yeah. So if if you can keep your ethics from the beginning and continue to... Like, I've grown my business pretty well. Yeah, I've grown it from a $30,000 business to a $500,000 business in less than five years. 
and I have people that work for me now. And our human resources department is us. And my and my human resources manager and 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 um booklet that doesn't exist is basically if you have a problem with what somebody said, be an adult and say, I don't like that. And you as the other person, look at them and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. I won't say that again. And it should be fucking over. Yeah. It should be that simple. And if it's not that simple, then we have bigger problems and those problems aren't with the, aren't with the job. It's with you as an individual and we need to figure that out. Because if that can't be enough to squash a problem, then we have bigger issues. And if the problem's bigger than that, then that person shouldn't work here because their ethics are wrong, right? So I think that if you can maintain your own personal ethics throughout the entirety of your business from the beginning, it's doable. And I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm on track. I'm going there. I think part of that too, I probably, ethics is one, but I maybe misspoke with ethics. It's probably ethics for sure, but values. Because I think about, okay, sure. if I want to be, say I want it to be, as successful as po- as I can possibly be in, in, in my, and in, in fitness and get the gym as successful as I possibly can, I'm going to have to sacrifice probably things that are more important. Not probably, that are, that should be more important to me in priorities, meaning like family. Sure. Any guy that you look at or a woman that is super successful I don't know that there's a, a proper balance in ethics, yes, but but values, certain values. Well, then it's, you're getting into the debate on what what you value, right? But that's the and I think that's so part of the issue. And I think is that's that people are going to overvalue because of how our society is. Of success equates to financial success, I would say almost entirely, or prestige, but the two go hand in hand somewhat, right? It's like People want to become uh, social media, um, social media gurus or some or influencers at the sacrifice of what to do some stupid video that you might get five million views. But for, for for what reason? Like, I've seen some. You've probably seen so many stupid videos out there that people are just staging just so they get. So now you got five million views. So so what? What is that? What does that equate to? What? How does that make you feel? It makes you feel better because you got people looking at your dumb video. Meanwhile, you're sacrificing values and ethics because of it? Well, you can't put your values and ethics on everybody. Most of those are, are so it's, ridiculous and there's no need for it. No, I agree. But they may not have family. They may not have kids. Like, I, you, we would have to figure out who they're talking about. They have still. They might to somebody, but we don't know. To all of us. Sure. One of my, one of my theories when I, when I was younger was like, I don't give a shit what you do as long as it doesn't really hurt anybody. I don't care how, whatever. If you want to eat like that, eat like that. It doesn't hurt me. That was like, right. And as I got older, I realized how ignorant that was because as I started to try to get healthier and realize my own issues and trying to fix myself, which first of all, it starts there. It starts with being brutally honest with all your shortcomings and fixing you first. Hammer at home what you're screwing up on and get at it before you ever start pointing a finger at anybody else. Absolutely which doesn't happen very often. It's easy to point fingers at other people. But it, it's, um, I realized that that mantra of it doesn't matter. I think a lot of people it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, as long as it doesn't hurt me and my family, fine, do it. Because I believe now that you're either an asset or you're a burden to society and you can't be neutral. You're one of the two. So 
if you're not taking care of yourself and coming from a health perspective, it, this, this is something that is like near and dear to me now. And I get, I actually get angry and enraged over it by people that don't take care of themselves, particularly COVID really hammered this home. For those people that were, we all had to sacrifice as a society because of mostly the people that didn't take care of themselves because those are the ones that are getting real sick. So now I have to stop my business and you have to shut my business down for two months. No income. The only income of my family is my business for two months because your sorry ass couldn't get in good enough shape over the last few years and you're complacent on that. And now I have to stop my business and wear a mask everywhere I go because of you. And that was the majority. I mean, we, and we know this now, like this isn't, this isn't speculation anymore or, or miss. We know that now. Yeah, we know that now. And we sort of knew it back then because the data was coming out. But people don't want to take responsibility for their own health. So it actually does matter how you take care of yourself. That it, If you're single and have no kids and live in an apartment, what you do, how you treat yourself is actually directly correlated to yeah, me. Which is it different, affects me. Which is different than somebody spending... How people spend their time, though, is different than... But there's a repercussion to spending your time with doing ridiculous shit. It's not productive. But if that's how they make their money, then they're doing ridiculous shit to make their Imagine money. making your money off doing ridiculous shit. A lot of self-worth. There's a lot of have a lot of ridiculous. Like, you, there's a lot of people that do ridiculous shit, though. Like, there's a lot of ridiculous shit out there. Fine, but if that's what Not you're even just in video, just in life. You're striving like to make ridiculous. your money and you're living off doing dumb shit to entertain 14-year-olds so they can watch TikTok. It's pathetic. There's no other way around that. You can, oh, whatever, it's my life, I'll do it. It's like... It's pathetic. Do something worthwhile. To a point. Uh, yeah. I think laughter is is of great value. Depending on how you get to that laughter. I laughter agree. Laughter is of great value. I'd agree. Going back a little bit to the, the point of, of values and growing your business and you have to sacrifice. Yes, growth takes sacrifice. All growth, no matter what it is, whether it's business or life, takes sacrifice. You have to sacrifice something to gain something, no matter what. I don't care. And you can do that on either side of the spectrum. Like, j gaining weight takes sacrifice of eating healthy and doing shit. That You're going to literally physically gain weight. Gaining health and gaining muscle and gaining other stuff takes other things. Like, you sacrifice the the ring dings and the ho-hos and the McDonald's and the other shit. Right. Um, but the reality is is every individual has to set their own morals and values to a certain point. So with my business, I spend a lot of time working on my business, but I didn't have a lot of kids. And me and my wife have a great balance in what we decided we wanted to do, and you and your wife have a great balance in what you decided to do with your life. What ends up happening when you're talking about business and you're talking about business growth and we're talking about figuring out your morals and ethics to keep your values in line with your life, only that person can decide what they value, right? So I value time with my daughter. And because I value that time with my daughter, I go to her, I do travel softball with her, and now she does travel volleyball. She plays on both the teams on high school, and I go to all of her games, and I go to all of her practices that I need to drive her to. And the way that I manage that is I make less money and pay my team more money to do jobs that they can do that I don't need to do, right? And I make a little bit less. I sacrifice making money so I can have extra people working for me. 
so they can get the job done that needs to get done, and I can check the work later to make sure it was done to my satisfaction and send it out to my clients and make sure that my clients are good. That's what I do to continue the growth of my business and be there for my family. So there are ways that you can do both. It, it, it doesn't have to be, I'm a black and white thinker. So it does at a certain point have to be black and white. There is a lot of gray in the world, but I don't tend to live in the gray parts. I tend to live in the black and white parts, right? So for me, my values are similar to yours, but they're not identical. Things that matter to you on certain things don't matter to me, but a lot of our values do line up, right? And that's why we get along. And if people think that their values, our values, morals, and ethics are how we make friendships, right? Every relationship starts with an emotional experience, right? The emotional experience of, of something occurs to, to grow the relationship fonder. Our emotional experience is me working out. That's our emotional bond. It was more emotional for me than it was for you. But that's how I bonded to you was I was out of shape. When I came to see you, I was fucking out of shape. Right? And like you can argue that I'm still out of shape. But holy shit. A year later, like I don't remember. What was I doing? Incline benches, I was doing what, 15, 20 pounds? 12 reps when I first started with you? Now I'm doing 50 at like 20 reps? 16, 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So- there's there's growth there and there's but that was an emotional like the fucking get-ups right yeah. like a get-up you know what a get-up is we talked about this earlier that makes me fucking get lay down on the ground and stand back up it's the worst thing that either of you because i have two trainers there they're both are mats and both mats make me do them and i hate them they're my least favorite thing to do because they're hard for me and they hurt but i do them but that's the emotional experience that attached me to both you and Matt. So we have grown our friendship over that, right? Like our friendship has grown over the last year because of the emotional experience. And then through that emotional experience, we talk and we joke and we laugh and we talk about shit that matters to us because we're both capable of having those conversations. And when we disagree on something, we go, huh, I never thought of it that way. It's interesting you think of it that way. And we just fucking leave it. We don't have to force the other person to believe our morals or values. When it comes to facts, I'll argue to I'm fucking blue in the face and enraged if it's a fact. Like, if you look at my cup and say, oh, that's an orange cup, I'll be like, you're fucking insane. It's not. It's fucking white. Like, let's not be fucking maniacs here, right? If it's a fact, I'm all in on the argument. But if it's a, if it's a moral value or ethic, I'll just look at somebody and be like, hmm, that's interesting. Is that enough for me not to want to be around them? Okay. No. Like what right. So what you said earlier, though, about crossing that line, like when you were in school. Right. You could take so much, but then that's it. I'm sorry. You crossed a moral, ethical line with myself. Exactly. Personal, my personal morals and ethics line, boundary. Right. And we can no longer be friends. Right. You know? Exactly. We don't have to argue about it. It's just you go your way, I'll go mine. And I have friends in my life that have cut other friends out for making choices in their life that they were like, oh, you voted for that guy or you believe this thing or you think that that's real and this isn't real and it's just like what are we doing like there's there's a certain point where you're going to isolate yourself to your own tribe so much 
that you're not even going to be able to find new members of your tribe because you're going to be so isolated. Right. And I don't yeah. think that's you. I just think that's in general, like that's what's happening is that people are getting into this. My morals, values, and ethics are so important to me that anybody that doesn't align with them or even opinion, I won't talk to them. Yeah. At a certain point though, your opinions are just your values and ethics at a certain point. I mean, I had one of my best friends is super religious. Yeah. And when we started being friends, uh, well, it was maybe was it over five years ago, more than that. My wife was like, is he like a, like a wicked Christian? And I'm like, yeah, I know it's odd, huh? But whatever. Like, I'm, at the time, I would have considered myself a, an, an atheist, like a strong, uh, Ricky Gervais. Like, he has some YouTube stuff. I was like, you know, I was like, but now I, I, I'm much more spiritual now. I realized that I had, I always, I've always lacked spirituality in my life. We didn't grow up with religion. Um, fortunately, I think fortunately, it's my opinion, because it allowed me to be open-minded as I grew up. Um, but what I did lack was spirituality. I did admire that about my friend who's really religious. He had that. He had a faith in something great. So when times are tough, you can lean in on that. Whether I agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. He had something to, about that. But that's something where like that didn't break a boundary for me. It was like, okay, I don't, that's not me. I don't even want to say I don't agree with it. It's like, it's just different philosophies. But him and I have been, because we have this type of thing that you're talking about, it's like, he probably doesn't, he doesn't understand maybe why I don't believe in Christianity because he's so hard into it. And I'm so far against, not against it. I, I just not me. But yet we can still coincide because we just say, hey, let's just leave that on the shelf. We don't need to, you yeah. got your thing, I got mine. Let's talk about the stuff that we have in common. Hunts and all the stuff, physical guy, you know, like fitness and all that other kind of stuff. We have a lot in common. I, I like his foundational morals, ethics, beliefs. He's a great family guy, awesome dad. Get those morals and values and ethics. I don't care if your morals and values and ethics are Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, just don't preach this. Don't preach them to me. But that's but even some of your morals and ethics fall under the Christian values at a certain point. Doesn't yeah. mean you're Christian, but those are the values that they that they could arguably fall under is like be kindness, be kind to Which your fellow man. Most like, or don't, as like don't commit adultery. Like those are yes. th these are morals. Yeah. That like you don't have to be Christian to buy into. Right? Like whether you believe that there is an afterlife or there's a heaven or hell or for me, it's about what do you want people to think of when they think of you, right? Like, what do you want people to think of when you leave a room or when you're not in a room full of people that know you? What do you want them to think? That's your morals, values, and ethics. What do they think of you? If they can think of me as an honest, kind, fun, successful, hardworking human being, I'm winning. If they think of me as a piece of shit, who's a liar, who is out for himself, manipulative, who's deceitful, deceitful, is a bully, right? Like then that's then I'm losing. Right? I'm losing I'm losing the purpose. Like I don't believe that the purpose of life is to get somewhere after life. I think the purpose of life is to live it to its fullest and engage and help as many people as you possibly can on the way in whatever way that you can. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to give fucking every homeless person I see a fucking dollar because yeah. that, uh, that's not realistic and it's not that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the people that you know, how do you treat them? 
when somebody leaves a room that you call your friend and that you had over for dinner, do you immediately talk shit about them and say that person's ridiculous and laugh at their expense? Or do you say, I really love that dude. He's got some fucking weird things that he does, but I fucking love that guy or girl. Good friend. Good friend, right? Like, yeah, yeah, a good person. No, he's there for me. But the minute that you are belittling and talking shit about people that you invited into your home or they invited you into your home, shame on you for even being in their home or having them in your home. Yeah. Like that, like draw a line in the sand and say that person just isn't for us. Like that person doesn't belong in my life. Like so many people are filling themselves full of relationships that are self-serving. That are either self-serving or they just want more friends or they want more people to say that they have this thing or they think that that person's going to get them something or they think that that person's going to elevate them in some way. Like, it's just, it's insanity. I try to tell people, like, you know, come up from a, a wellness standpoint, not even just fitness, just wellness, the most important thing you can have is an extraordinarily good group of people around you. And usually that means, like, three to five. That is it. No more than that. I have a circle that's super tight. I've always been that way. And they're extraordinarily solid people. In fact, you would probably want to be, you probably want to, people around you should almost all be better than you. Almost. You should have attributes that you have that are probably better than some of theirs, and they should have some that are better than yours. So you're all kind of, you should all kind of feed into each other and be self-motivated, inspiring, supportive, all that other kind of stuff. But there's there's no better advice that if you have uh, to overuse a word, toxic uh, person in your tight circle, they can be peripheral friends. Fine. Maybe you don't want to ruin some peripheral relationship. But if you have them in your tight circle, get them out of that circle as soon as possible. They're only going to be there to bring you down. In my program that I cre- I created, the program that I'm writing my book about, which I think we've talked about a little bit, but I have what I call my relationship building. It's a literal physical building. And I it's a play on words of relationship building, as in you're building relationships, and it's an actual building to understand that people that are walking by your building are people you don't know yet. People that come into the lobby, this is your first meeting of them, and they're, you know, you're getting to know them, and you're seeing if you're going to allow them access to the building outside of just the lobby. Then there's people that rent space in the actual building that are peripheral friends that you know some stuff about them, and you like them, and you need them in your life, whether they're coworkers or they're, they're friends from school or their extended family, or they're just people that don't add a ton of value, but you know that you need them in your world. And then there's your your penthouse and your your rooftop garden that you have where all of these people in that area are your tight, close people, right? Like the penthouse is, is an exclusive space reserved for the safest people. Because if you allow some maniac off the street up into your rooftop garden and he starts chucking your loved ones off the fucking roof because he's a maniac and you let him up there, that's on you, right? Like you have to have a gatekeeper at the door of your building to be like, oh, you're a fucking mental case. We're good, yeah, right? And maybe a mental case even gets into renting a room and is in a peripheral area of the building and you're like- But there's boundaries. There's something going on with this person that I don't know. So, And then you can kick them out. But once they get to the rooftop, they start infecting everybody. They'll infect your wife, your husband, your kids, 
your parents, like whoever it is, your best friends, whoever you hold dear near, like that's why people that you meet, it shouldn't be like, oh, I've known this person for a couple of months, immediately to the top floor. That's that's a red flag for you and your mental health and for them that they're willing to get that into your life. Like that's craziness. Like it takes time to build those relationships. Right? So it's and where you discover what a healthy relationship is, is with yourself. How are you treating yourself? How are you treating, you know, a lot of the reason why I ate McDonald's and shit food for so long was because of the people I was hanging out with. Like, there's a lot of restaurant people that are like, when you get out of a restaurant at two o'clock in the morning, what's open? You're starving. At two, you just worked a seven hour shift waiting on other people, dealing with all their bullshit. And now you're fucking starving. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to some fucking dive bar or hit McDonald's or something else. It's a lifestyle choice. So when you change your lifestyle, you have to change everything about that lifestyle with it. Otherwise, you fuck yourself over. Yeah. Right? So I changed my lifestyle when I built this business, but I didn't change my habits. And that's where over the last year I've been slowly working on changing my habits. You know, and it started with going to the gym three times a week. Then it was like adding in these other things, right? And then once I build my house and I have my farm and I have to do, you know, I have to move bales of hay and I have to dig holes and I have to, like, there's shit that I'm going to have to do on the farm that is going to be physical shit that I have to do regular basis. And healthy habits build momentum. Right. So just start somewhere. Exactly. People, oh, where do I start? Somewhere. Somewhere. Don't matter. You pick it. Doesn't matter. Pick it. Whatever it is. Whatever the easiest. easiest, Yes. Easiest path of resistance for yourself. I'm not talking about the easy way out. It's still going to be challenging, but the easiest path of that challenge, if it's easier for you to change your nutrition or your fitness or your relationship or sleep, start somewhere. It is really easy to not buy soda. Yeah. Because you can't drink it if you don't have it. Yeah. It's like super easy. Take out the temptation. Right? Like just take it out of the, just take it out of the equation. Yeah. Right? Like if it's, if you take it out of the equation, then it doesn't, and I guarantee you, you'll start to feel better and lose weight nearly immediately for most people that drink a soda a day. They will immediately yeah. start to see results. Probably one of the worst things for you. Oh my God. It's terrible. It is probably the number one drug in the United States. Harmful drug in the United States. Probably. It, it kills more people than any other drug. And it's sugar, super not just soda, but I'm talking like sugar, right. sugar addictions. Right. Super addictive. I mean, the top three things that kill Americans are three things that are actually controlled. Like we have, that's pathetic. Top three chronic diseases that kill Americans, we control. 85% of, of them are control. 15% are just people on unfortunate genetics or something like that. That yeah. happens with those diseases. But like type two diabetes is through the roof, heart disease. Um, you know, you can even look at cancer as, as chronic, that's, that's chronic disease from years of eating like shit. And a chronic disease can also come from chronic stress too. They're probably, the two go hand in hand. Uh, the, the two, um, are both lethal for you, but yeah, you cut soda out. People that drink soda, man, first thing you do, you just cut soda out to start that. Right. And it's, and it's not switching to diet soda. <laughs> no. It's cutting it out. Cause the diet soda people don't understand is that. Okay, it's got no sugar in it, but the sugar substitute that they put in it triggers your body's insulin response as same as real sugar. You're actually better off getting real sugar because at least you're not putting chemicals in your body. People don't understand that because, um, you know, that's the things like going to McDonald's and getting a Diet Coke is like the joke. It's like, 
Okay. Oh, well, waiting tables. So, the biggest, so silly. The biggest joke of waiting tables was the guy that would order a salad and then drink seven Diet Cokes. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? You're triggered the same insulin. Like, you're, you're doing the same shit to yourself that you were doing anyways. Yeah. Like, you're better off just having one Coke than having seven diets. But either way, you just shouldn't have it. Like, like I said, I drink a lot of water. I like water. We're water people. Um, we yeah. go through shit ton of water here. We buy those five gallon water cooler jugs and go through a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really just about a relationship with yourself. Knowing just yourself. Go, yeah. Self-awareness is so huge. That's where you're talking about choosing friends. Like you can't choose the right friends unless you know yourself. No. You know? what? Self-awareness is so important. Yeah. Understanding what you want in your life, why you want it. Then you can figure out how to get to it. But if you don't know what you want and why you want it, you'll never figure out how to get to it. Right? Like, you, that's yeah. that's how you... It'll just be wandering around. it literally just be like, well, this is what I want. Well, why do you and want And you'll it? stick to nothing because nothing really right. is that valuable to you. It doesn't mean anything to you because you haven't figured out what is meaning something to you. What is it for you? For you, it's like, it's this. For me, it's fitness. We're all different. We all have to figure yeah. it out. But once you hone in on what exactly it is that you're looking to do, and what for? And it means something. Even if it's a ridiculous TikTok video. If it means something to you, really, if you really thought about it, it means something to you, there's no other way. Otherwise, you're wandering around and you're quitting stuff constantly. It's like, well, that's why people won't change their diets. It doesn't mean enough to them. They know it should, but it doesn't. Well, that's like, why I haven't Our conscious mind, here's the thing. Our conscious okay. minds, we know things and we almost argue with ourselves, like, how the hell do I not know? I mean, I know that I'm supposed to eat right, but how can I not do it? It's because our conscious minds are easily changed. Our subconscious minds are not. So consciously you go, well, yeah, I know I should eat well. In fact, most people that come to me and say, what should I eat? I'll be like, what do you, you know what to eat. And I'll say, you tell me, and I'll tell you. So why do you need me to tell you? You know what the hell to eat. People know how to eat healthy. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, don't look for some crazy specific diet. Cut out the processed food, cut out the seed oils, Cut out the sugar. Good. You're good. Like after that, you're pretty good. Don't worry about the specifics. Most of the general public want to know specifically what to eat. You're all screwing up so bad. Don't even worry about the specifics. Get the sugar out of your life. Get the fast food. Get the processed food. Get the seed oils out. And you're good. Other than that, you, you're fine. Then if you can do that, worry about specifics if you want. It, it doesn't really matter all that much. But I mean, you have to, you have to want it. But you can't, you don't... It's not so your conscious mind goes, I know I'm supposed to eat well, but your subconscious mind is not there yet. Because your subconscious mind is doing things based on habit. Well, you also have to remember that when you're doing, when you're changing anything and you're going after a goal, your brain cannot process the negative. You can, you can't not do things. You can't be like, don't, don't drink soda. You have to be like, drink water. You have to give yourself a, a direction and a task that is in the direction of which you want to go. Your brain can't not do stuff, right? Like Simon Sinek uses the example of try not to think about an elephant. If I say don't think about an elephant, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Fucking elephant, right? Because you're told not to think about it because your brain doesn't process the negative. And he didn't make it up, and I didn't make it up. It's been hundreds of years in the making of philosophy that your brain doesn't work in the negative, right? It just doesn't work that way. So when you're doing something, it's when I don't want to go to the gym, I don't tell myself, don't be lazy. I tell myself, go to the gym, right? When I don't want to do something, I don't tell myself, don't do that thing. I tell myself, do whatever it is to get to it. When I was, 
when I was contemplating doing the podcast and I wanted to do the podcast and I wanted to figure out what the podcast was, I didn't just immediately jump in and go, all right, fuck it, we're going to start recording a podcast. I gave it thought and we made step towards building it. And I talked to the people that were close to me that I trusted that are in my company that do what we do as content creators and said, all right, well, this is what I want to do. I want to have conversations with people that I find interesting and I want it to be the basis of success, understanding success, and a practical use of how to go towards success. And if I can talk to successful people about their life and the things that they value and the things that are important to them, then I can have these conversations on a weekly basis. And not only is the podcast going to be fun for me, but it's going to be super valuable for me and the people I'm talking to to bounce ideas off of each other. And then we'll just let people eavesdrop on the conversation if they want to, right? But there's tremendous value for me as a person to sit here and have this conversation with you, right? I wanted to talk to people that I find interesting, right? And this is the best way to do that. Most people, if you invite them that you don't know to a podcast, they're more likely to do that than have a cup of coffee with you. Yeah. They're more likely to be like, oh, yeah, I'll be on your podcast. But if I reach out to somebody and say, hey, I, I think your stuff is great. Want to have a cup of coffee? They'll be like, yeah, sure. No, I'm not going to do that. But if I say, hey, we have this podcast. You can check it out here. I'd love to have you on and talk to you about what we're doing and what you're doing and how you do it. And I think you bring a tremendous amount of value to the conversation that I'd like to have with you. It allows it to occur, right? So when you're when you're changing something in your life or you're doing something new, I always tell everybody that be a failure, not a quitter. And what that means is just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the good result, right? It's insane to to want something to be different and continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, yeah. right? But it, the way that the world works for habit and for succeeding is do the same thing over and over again and modify little things until you get the results you want, right? And in social media, when you're when you're putting your brand out there, it truly is do the same thing over and over again and get the same result and just keep doing it. As long as you're being authentic and consistent, then you're going to win. But the minute you step out of that or the minute you start getting erratic, that's when it's going to fall off, Yeah. right? But it's the same with any goal that you set for yourself. And again, I have not reached my my fitness and health goals. But man, have I made huge strides over the last year that I'm really excited about. It's right? important to keep that in mind. People, we rarely celebrate our small victories right. because we're so hard on ourselves. We, we rarely treat ourselves and talk to ourselves like we would talk to somebody we love. It's mostly negative talk. People's talk and chatter in their minds is mostly negative. Um, I'm not an exception. Like, I, there's still a lot of negative talk. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, it's it's called, um, when I took the holistic health coaching course, they call it crowding out. Where you're talking about, don't try to take something out of, say, nutrition is the easiest example of that. You don't tell somebody, stop drinking soda. Stop going to fast food. It's not good for you. It's like, no shit. Like, you know that. For, keep doing what you're doing. But I want you to add in something healthy, what ends up happening is eventually if you add in enough good healthy habits, something just falls off. 
and that falls off is typically the shitty stuff that you were trying to get out to begin with. Because it doesn't work to tell somebody not to do something. No. But do something healthy for yourself. Well, it's the same with, with your kids, right? When, you, when you're raising a kid, you start to realize really quickly when you tell them not to do something, they tend to do it more often. But when you give them the opportunity or the alternative of what they can do instead, yeah, right? Like if you tell your kid, don't play video games, they get mad and they throw a tantrum, right? If you say, why don't you go outside and do this or go outside and do this, they may be aggravated about it, but eventually they get into whatever activity you sent them to do. Because the worst thing to do is be like, don't play video games, do something else. Oh, well, she said I can't play video games, so I'm going to go do this other thing that's electronic. Right. Or I'm going to go do this other... Well, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. Well, I said get off the computer. Well, then get off the computer then. Well, I'm not on the computer. I'm on the TV. Right? Well, go outside. Okay, so then I go outside and I bring my phone and now I'm on my phone. Right? So it's you have to be really specific about making sure that you're giving direction even when you own a business, right? When I own a business, I can't tell people that work with me not to do something. I have to tell them what to do. Yeah, don't edit it like that. Yeah. Edit that from... Yeah, don't do it like that. Or don't shoot video like that. Do it. Or even with clients, right? I can't be like, hey, don't do that. Don't do that thing. Do it better. Right? Yeah. Like, there's this old acting joke that was like, when directors would be directing actors, the worst direction ever is like, act harder. Like, I don't even know what that means. Or don't, don't, don't be sad. Right? Like, well, what do you want me to be? What do you want? Like, what do you... Like, tell me what you want. Don't tell me what you don't want. Tell me what you do want. And that works for every relationship, right? We talk about a lot of relationships on this podcast with you and me. We've been talking about relationships a lot. So the idea of like going to your wife and being like, don't make chicken. isn't. It's like almost an insane statement. Like 80% of our meals are chicken for most people because it's a cheap, affordable, healthy option, right? It's where it's like, oh, don't make soup. Don't make, well, what do you want then? And why? And why? <laughs> was right. cool a week like, ago. And what are we defining soup as? And what yeah. are we defining, like, where, like, where is the, or don't do, or like, even with just relationships in general, like, if you don't tell people what you like, they're just going to keep doing things that they assume you like, right? Like, one of the, my biggest pet peeves is when people say the phrase, treat people the way you want to be treated. I think it's a horrible way to live. Treat people the way they want to be treated. Why is it so hard to look at somebody and say, hey, do you like this thing? Hey, do you like hugs? Hey, you into handshakes? Hey, you like, hey, do you do you like sushi? Like, don't just be like, oh, I got you sushi because I love it. Be fucking weird if somebody didn't eat sushi and you just kept buying it for them because you like it. That's the difference, though, between it, being treated, though, and something that they like. I'd say when, when I hear cheap pillars like you want to be treated, it's a respect thing. Sure. But it's also like, okay, I like to be hugged. I like hugs, right? If you don't like them, and I every time I see you, I hug you, and not only just a hug, but I hold it for a good 15, 25-second hug, and you're like, bro, why are you hugging me? I'm like, dude, hugs are great. And you're like, not for me. I'm like, but I like it, right? Like, that's where it becomes... This weird thing where it's like, or you just never say anything and you just don't ever talk to me again or you don't invite me around because you didn't say, I don't like hugs. Yeah. Right? Like, so I just go, girl, I'm a hugger. Are you in? 
right? Like when you meet somebody, you, you, you address it. You address some of those things where I'm very vocal and very open to the idea that people aren't into the same shit I'm into. Which is, that's the respect element you're giving them. I'm going to, I'm going to have a, I'm going to communicate with you instead of assuming based on my personal likes. Right. But I can also tell from body language sometimes what people like and don't like. I can tell when I enter somebody's space. Like if you're paying attention to the other person, you can treat them the way that they want to be treated. Yeah. Right. Like you, you learn, you mirror them. You, you, and it's, you know, some people need different things in different moments. Right. Sometimes people need quiet, but you need to talk. So if I needed to talk, but you needed quiet, that's not going to work out if I'm treating you the way that I want to be treated. Right? It, yeah. It's just not going to work that way. So it's going to damage the relationship. It's going to make the relationship harder. Whereas if you treat them the way they want to be treated, you start to learn. I'm sure there's things that your wife wants or needs or your children want or need that you don't particularly need or want in your life. But you do it for them because they're them. Because you love them, you care about them, and you sure. want them to be happy. Right? That's treating somebody else the way that they want to be treated. That's not treating them the way that you want to be treated. Yeah, and you and me, like we're very different people on a lot of things. But we have a mutual respect for each other and we treat each other the way that we believe the other person wants to be treated. Yeah. Right? Like like everybody knows that I'm cool with busting balls. Yeah. Like they know it. And if you cross a line, it's the line is really, really fucking far away. Like, you, it's really hard to cross a line with me. Like, it's behind me. Like, you have to go past me and get to the line and turn around and look at me like, hey, I crossed it. It's over here. Like, you have to go fucking find it. Like, it's really hard to insult me. Right? So I have to be mindful of other people because I can easily insult somebody in seconds. Right? So I have to pare it back and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Not everybody wants to hear these kind of jokes or these kind of things or these, like, this vernacular or this, right? Like, I swear a lot. I curse a lot. But I have clients that don't curse at all. Yeah. So it's not appropriate for me to go to my clients and be like, hey, what's up? Oh, yeah, fucking, that's awesome, dude. Like, that's not okay. Like, that's it's just, that's not how they want to be treated, right? And it's authentic for me to be respectful to them and kind to them. Because the authentic piece is me being respectful and kind to what they do. It doesn't make me less than to change my vernacular. You're not, you're not sacrificing anything that big. I'm just being more mindful in their space because it's how they want to be treated. Right? That's how they like the world around them to be. And if I was in it and I was vulgar and I was loud and I was obnoxious, they would not want me in their space. And I would respect that they wouldn't want me in their space. Because that is not a space that they've created for that type of behavior. Right. But that's me behaving in a way and treating them in a way that they want to be treated, not the way that I want to be treated. Yeah, and you've also figured out that there's a line there that you're not willing to sacrifice your authenticity. Correct. To basically, lack of a better word, cater. Correct. to, To mirroring them. Right. I can still keep my morals and values and not say fuck. Right. Right, and do I get? You can get the same message. Across. I can get this. I can get a similar message across. I can get the same message across. It's just in my vernacular because that's just how I've always spoke. Yeah. So I just speak that way, and I don't, you know, I don't particularly give it a lot of thought. So I don't really give a shit. 
But when I'm around people that care, I give it thought and I, and I be mindful of it. And that's, that's what I mean by saying, treat people the way they want to be treated. Right. It's the understanding of so many people in the world want to be treated differently. Their kindness is different than my kindness. Their love is, is shown in a different way than my love, right? Their respect is shown in a different way than mine, right? Like some people think it's disrespectful to put your hands on somebody, just even just to touch them, pat them on the back, touch their shoulder, touch their arm. Like, why are you touching me? Don't disrespect me like that, yeah. right? I don't like my face touched most of the time. But if somebody touches my face, I'm just, I'm not going to freak out on them, but I'm not going to be okay with it. Right. But if you like your face touched or you like pinching cheeks or like that's what you do all the time, right? Like you have that grandma or that somebody that pinches your cheeks and it fucking irritates you. Like she's doing that because it makes her feel good, not because it makes me feel good. Right? Like that's not for me. Right. And as you get older, you want to learn how to do things for the people that you want in your life. So as long as I value you and I want you in my life as a person, then I need to find out how you want to be treated. As long as you're not sacrificing your own. Absolutely. Authenticity, because right. that's only going to go so far before you start getting resentful. Right, of course. You never compromise. I fucking yeah. hate compromise. Don't compromise. Never. Like, that just damages yourself. It creates resentment. It like, But I'm not compromising anything if I value you. Right? Like, there are nuances and layers to life and relationships. Right? So the nuances, there's big broad strokes of don't sacrifice and don't and be authentic and be true to yourself and make sure you have your values, morals, and ethics in place. And then there's nuances of that's an interesting value you have, right? Like you're a hunter. That's great. Good for you. I'm not. Right? I don't think there's anything wrong with you hunting, but it's not going to stop me from being your friend. It's not going to stop me from from wanting to be in your life. But if you started killing people, that's a line for me. Like, that's something where I'm like, maybe you shouldn't. All people? Most. Most. There, There's a definitely a list of people that I'm okay with people being taken out. Right? Like, pedophiles are way up on that list of, this is fine. Rapists, yeah. fine with it. Yeah, good. Like, that, like, there's no space for you. But there's... But there's there's the understanding of like all of our values, all of our morals, all of our ethics, even with my wife, who I love dearly, or my parents, who have been in my life my entire life, not all of our morals, values, and ethics are going to be aligned. There are going to be almost zero people that have identical moral values and ethics. Almost zero. Unless they're fucking lying. There's too many variables. There's way too many variables. So that's that's the biggest point when it comes to relationships for me and success in business, success in life, success in relate. I think success in business and life is just success in relationships. Oh yeah. Right? Like that to me that's how you understand success is what are your relationships like? That's probably the number one thing that I would advise people getting into almost any industry that the younger well, I think it's I almost I was going to say a younger generation, but I think it's been as long as I can remember of not understanding the value of just building relationships. Just because they don't buy your product doesn't doesn't matter. It's about and it's not about being phony, building phony relationships to build up a, a trust like a phony trust of people. It's just about the more people that you're engaged with and know and um 
you can see and they're and you're familiar to them, the way easier success. And but it doesn't come quick. It's like ten years down the road when they see your name again, they go, "I remember that guy. He's still in business. He was a good guy. I need this product. He's got the product. I'm gonna go with him, right? Because I remember him." It's building those relationships. That's that building, right? It's it's building that relationship building. It's understanding that people in your that are renting space in your building. Yeah, it takes time to have them move up the levels. And that that's the difference between people that are whether they're business owners or people that are trying to move up in businesses that I see anyway. I remember starting off, um, like my sister and I would go to if we look back at pictures, we're like, Jesus, like, you know, you just go to these silly little engagements, whether it's BNI and all that stuff, and you had like a table like this set up with your stuff on it. It was so cheesy looking, but putting in that time and talking to people, I just don't see it with people that they say they want to be successful. Hey, do you want to do better next year and have, you know, your salary be, yeah, yeah, definitely. Never, not happening, not going out, not socializing. If they're using social media and not posting the stuff that would be advantageous for them. And again, not being phony, just being the product, being the yeah. person, being a personality, showing people, listen, in any, in any business, it's all about trust. People are way more likely to hire you or hire me if they trust me. But trust takes time. It doesn't happen in your first engagement or second or third. It's like down the line, like I'm talking about, maybe it's a year, maybe it's five years, but it's a matter of this person is um, a reputable person. I know people that have gone, you know, like something like that. And then all of a sudden that's how that trickle effect starts to happen. And then businesses start gaining momentum because people start talking. Hey, this guy's a legit guy. He knows his stuff. He's educated, good person, reputable, respectful. And that's when success starts to happen. But man, it takes a long time to build, talking about your building of relationships in order to build that building you have to have a really strong foundation. Yep. Well, and I tell people, I think the thing that people forget about trust is that you only get one with every relationship. Trust is a glass, right? It's a, it's literally a physical glass if you look at it that way. And you only get one in every relationship. And once you break it, if you smash it, if you break it, no matter how much you break it, yeah. with a lie or with cheating or with, sneaking or whatever you do if you want that person to stay in your life after you break that glass you don't get a new glass you have to rebuild the one you broke yeah so no matter how much you broke it is how much you have to fix it right so the more that i the more untrustworthy i am in that relationship the more it's broken the more it's shattered and the more pieces i have to put back together to make it perfect again and it'll never be perfect again that's the other thing it'll never be undamaged it'll be a it'll be a version of what it once was when you first started and that's what it's like whenever you have a client or a customer or somebody in your business you get one class and if you break it you have to be the one to fix it and if that's up to them to decide if in all situations it's up to the person whose trust was broken yeah. has to decide if they're willing to let you rebuild it because it's way easier for them just to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, get another relationship. Yeah, somebody else offers what you offer. No, you're Nobody is unique. Well, nobody wants to be burnt twice either. Right. Nobody wants to be made the fool twice. No. You know, it's the fool me once. No. Shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Other than there's a whole group of people out there that are just, well, I'm all about relationships. Everything's about the relationship. Well, if you were about the relationship, you'd actually give a shit 
what I thought. You'd actually give a shit about what I want. You'd actually give a shit about the product you're putting in, and you'd stand by it even past the fucking warranty of whatever product or thing you're doing, right? Like, oh, well, you know, it's past the year. Yeah, but it's my fucking house, and it's falling apart, and you built it. You should, you know, you should take accountability for the fact that yeah. this should have lasted. Like, if my porch is falling out, I'm not talking about anybody specific. If my if you build my porch, yeah, and it starts to fucking fall apart in a year, in a year and a half, and you go, oh well, you know, it's been over a year, and we only really stand by our work for a year. So you're telling me you build decks that only last a year and a half, and I know that I wouldn't have bought a deck from you. Because, you know, my house is going to be my house for the next 40 years. I would have liked the deck to at least last a good portion of that. Yeah. Right? I would have liked it to stay intact throughout that journey. Yeah. Right? Same with cars. Same with, you know, like, buy a lemon. And, like, it's where you get in all this used card salesman stuff. But the relationships are so important. Relationships are the only thing, really, that matter in life as, as a whole. And if you're not focused on building them and you're not focused on developing the ones that you have to their strongest, I argue, what the fuck are you actually doing? Like, what are you doing? It's going to crumble eventually. Yeah. It's going to. You're going to be left um, with nobody. And that's a worse. You could even make a whole bunch of money. It all crumbled down. You got a whole bunch of money. What are you left with? Yeah. Nothing solid. Yeah. It's a sad place to be. Well, that's why I say that money supports happy. Money's not going to buy you happiness, and it's not going to make you happy by itself. It's just going to support the things that you want to do, right? You couldn't build your business the way you wanted to build your business without money. Yeah. I couldn't have built my business without, like, we just bought two brand new cameras that I'm fucking in love with that are cinema cameras that cost me thousands of dollars, which we wouldn't have been able to have if I didn't have money right. and I wasn't growing a business, Right. So money supports my happiness. Without the money that I make from my business and without all the stuff that I do with my business, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast, which I enjoy. If other people enjoy it, I don't know. Money supports happiness, or do you think it helps support your meaning? Or do you think both? Both. It's both. I think if you're lucky enough to know what your meaning is, I think if you're lucky enough to know what your purpose is, what your purpose and your passion is. At least in the moment. It doesn't have yeah. to be super philosophical. No, it doesn't have to be super. Yeah. Earth, but no, I mean, moment to moment. Know that, like, but I don't know if that's my thing. You know, like I wanted to, like I was, I played football. I, I wrestled. I was a clown in the circus. Like I've also waited tables. I've Like I've done tons of things. So my purpose has, has changed. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad now to a little girl. Like that's a purpose. But I think money supports that. Money makes me a better dad. Right? Like, I don't think my kid needs to be spoiled and have everything that she wants, but it certainly is nice that I'm able to give her opportunities with yeah. money, opportunities to play travel softball, opportunities to play travel sports, opportunities to take creative classes or have creative things in her world, opportunity to have dogs or animals that she can take care of because I can afford to feed them and house them and keep them safe, opportunity to make sure that she's in a safe home. Right? Like, that all takes money. Yeah, I mean, and when it comes to that, the research is very clear. In fact, the longest study, I think it's one of the longest studies done, it still might be continuing with that Harvard had, was the happiness study. Is basically, now this was a while back, so the, the, the number has changed somewhat. But they said pretty much after about $75,000, it's probably more than that now. Yep. Maybe it's 90, but it's not, it's not more than you would think it is. After that amount, 
between 70, at the time, they said between 75, say call it 90, $90,000 and a million dollars, there was no increase in happiness. So the bottom line is you need money. And what they decided was that you need money to pay your bills. Not only do you need the money to pay your bills, but you need money to put money aside as well. So you have enough money to pay your bills and not worry about that. So you're not living paycheck to paycheck and enough money to set aside. After that, there is no increase of happiness for how much money makes so, after that certain amount. I don't know how accurate that is based on what your purpose and passion is. It's super accurate. That's one of the longest studies ever done with based on people that have made, whether it be 90000 to a million dollars. Well, I would like, like to look at- year So I'd like to look at this, the, what they're also talking about. Because like, if, if your passion is horses, $90,000 isn't going to cut it. Yeah, but you're talking about- If your passion is film, $90,000 isn't going to cut it. Like, it's just not. Like, you, like it costs so much more money to do your passion. You might find out that that doesn't increase their happiness, though, because they have it a might, success. And that's what I mean. Like, for individuals, it, it'll it'll vary. And I, and so I, I imagine it's a majority study as sure. all. There's oh, yeah. exceptions to the rule. So I, I would assume that I'm talking about the exceptions to the rule. But if we're going to make that a baseline rule, I could say that majority of people would probably be pretty happy at 100. Like, it's probably increased with, with inflation. So at the time, sure, the $90,000 mark makes sense if you're not doing anything outside the norm, right? If, you're, if your passions are not outside the normal yeah. passions, right? But once you ha- get yeah. into like, I lo- like if I, I you know, you want to do, like, you want to rescue dogs or you want to like run or like a business costs more than 90 grand a year. Like it just does, right? Like I talk about how, you know, we're, we're looking at a $500,000 a year business, but I'm not making five hundred thousand dollars a year. Not anybody that even works here is making a hundred grand a year. But we're all happy, and we're all making more money, and we give bonuses, and we figure out how to make more money. So we we make You're living paying the bills, right? But we yeah. have to pay the no, overhead, we have to pay the bills, right? Exactly. I'm not saying I'm not saying your your thrill. You'd love to right. have more, but I'm saying you're not worried from paycheck to paycheck. No, and I don't think anybody that, that works for me is wor- worried paycheck to paycheck about making sure that their bills are paid because we have open conversation about what do you need to pay your bills? Do you right. have medical insurance? What else do you need? Would, you know, We have simple IRAs set up for your retirement, even though most of the people that work for you are in their 20s. Like it, it's, it's really about the understanding of money does support your happiness, and yes, to a certain point, Probably there's not much increase if you're doing average, the average thing. If you're doing the average things, you want to go travel a little bit, have a family, have a nice home, have, you know, the, the necessities to thrive in life in a comfortable, truly American way of, I have a yard, I have a family, I have a dog, I have a job that I enjoy, I'm making X amount of dollars. No, there's probably not much increase. But for the outliers, and that's most of the people that, are going to be, you know, entrepreneurial and artists and, you know, people that are adventurous, people that listen to podcasts like this one that want more out of their life. The reality is that your your happiness will decrease. Your your happiness will increase when your stress decreases, and money will allow for stress to decrease. No. Some to some extent. To the some pro- extent. problem with that though is that if you're a high achiever or you have a job that's very stressful that earns you a lot of money, your 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 stress is increasing in those moments. Correct. Right. Even though you're even though you're financially you're increasing, so is the stress and and what you have to put but out. But again, I'm to talking about that. I'm talking about the outliers 
that are trying to build something on their own. I'm not talking about the people that are working for a corporate job making millions of dollars and are highly stressed trying to keep a job. I'm talking about people like you and me that are building businesses of their own and building their own thing and wanting to do their own stuff. The money will it decrease the amount of stress that you have for your business. If your business yeah. is making more money, yeah. right? Because your business makes more than $90,000 a year. Yeah. Right? Because you have employees and you have yeah. the space and you have things that you have to pay for. You have overhead. And I would imagine that if you were only making $90,000 a year in your business, your business wouldn't stay open very long. No. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. So for the individual, yes, I could see how that study works out for the for the average person. But if we're going to talk about the outliers, we're going to talk about the people like you and me that have thoughts, opinions, and believe that we're right most of the time about our thoughts and opinions and we want more out of life, $90,000 isn't going to cut it. For your income? For all of it. No, for But for your personal income. Personal income. Personal income, sure. But I'm talking about when I say money supports happy, I'm talking about after your base needs are met, all of your passions need money to do them. Travel, art, animals, hunting, fishing, whatever you're into, flying, skateboarding, whatever it is that you do, whatever it is your passion is, skiing, like it could be anything. That money that's after your 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 living, that all goes towards supporting your happy. I you know what too though, I'm thinking about you also have to define happy's a weird term. Not a weird term, but it's a tough term because it has to be defined sure. because, you know, we have, so I have that Harvard study is like 30 years, maybe more, but I have 16 years of my own personal study where I've had clients for 16 years. So I've dealt with a lot of people and mostly they're affluent because anybody that's going to come in and pay personal training session has probably got some discretionary income. And I can tell you that over the 16 years, people that are able to do everything that you said and travel to places, it's like unbelievably beautiful do kind of do what they want to an extent um most of them are not happy i would say again so it's a strange term because nobody's ever constantly happy no it's like you can't go to somebody are you happy like like now or like in in my life it's like what do we so it has to be defined but i would say people that are wealthy and do, do what i consider well mostly are extraordinarily stressed and anxious yeah. And that money almost has become, not even the money, it's what the money represents. It's, it's that it's that 10-hour day. It's the missing their family. It's not putting time into themselves, which on a subconscious level eats at you. I don't care what you say. If you're grinding at work and you think society would term you, would look at you and be like, oh, that person's a fantastic worker, super successful. Inside, it's eating at you that you're not taking care of yourself or you're not spending time with yeah. your family, perhaps, even on a subconscious level. And I've seen guys and and women just slammed by life and they make plenty of money so none of that has done any good for them even if they're traveling and everything they have in their cars and right. all that shit so we have to defining happy and even again it's a strange term it's almost fulfillment well, a better term well, than happiness happy. for me is individually defined you have to define your own happiness but if you want to break it down and define it as a word because i actually enjoy doing that as well I typically tend to just look at the definition of a word. Tyler, what's the definition of happy? Please hold. So when I look at words, I like to actually take the dictionary definition. Yeah. And only use that to define a word. And then I only use that word for that purpose. Right? Because if you start, when you start putting 
emotion on words, you start to not be as effective in communication. Yeah. Right? So if I define happiness for myself, then all of a sudden I'm just making up the definition of a word. And I'm going, oh, well, then that's what happiness is now. But if that's not what the word actually means, then it's just everybody's just making up their own shit and now we can't even communicate. Did you find it? Feeling or showing pleasure or feeling? Uh, see, so I was going to say contentment and fulfillment are, to me, better terms to use than happy. Right. So that's what happy is. I feel like a kid's happy. But happiness yeah. is, is fulfillment and contentment. It's a combination of the two. Right? So when you're fulfilled and you're content, you're happy. Right? So money will support you being fulfilled and content. Right? Sure. So that's how I define happy. I define it by the definition of the word. Now there's no confusion. Now there's no debate. Right? There's no, like anybody that even wants to comment like, well, that's not what happy is. Well, it fucking is because we looked it up. That's the definition. Right? Yeah. Fulfillment and contentment. So when you're fulfilled and you're content, you're happy. Money will definitely support fulfillment and contentment if you know what you want. Yep. If you have self-awareness and you know exactly what you want, money will support you in getting there. Oh, the yeah. problem is most people don't know what they want in order to fulfill the needs. Yeah, so they're chasing um, um, immediate gratif impulse gratifications right. constantly, whether it's a trip, it's a car, it's drugs, it's alcohol, or whatever it is. Or they're just fucking chasing their own tail. Yeah. Like, like that's like they have no idea where the fuck they're going. They just know that they want to be somewhere else. Again, it's thinking in the negative. Well, what do you want? I don't know. I just don't want this. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be here. I don't want to work that job. I don't want to be busy. I don't want to like people speak in the negative and that that's what ends up making them unhappy because there's no way to feel fulfilled if you're constantly thinking about all the things that you hate. And when you say, I don't want something, all you're saying is that you're going to have that. I don't want to be sad. Your brain just hears sad, be sad. Well, I, I see the, the lack of contentment among people that are what people would deem successful based on, on my observations is people that have jobs that are really not meaningful right? and don't fulfill them. And they don't want to They're admit it. Real. And I've heard like, I always cautious about how I speak about this because I don't want no way people thinking I think my job's so important. But I get to help people. And, and I don't know that I could do anything but try to help people. People that have jobs and I don't know whether it be insurance or bank. It's like your job is to make money. It's greed. That's your job. You're trying to make somebody money. And I've heard people say, yes, but I'm, you know, my job. And if I criticize it, it's like, yeah, but I'm just, I work my job and I try to make the money I make so I can support my fulfillment outside of my job. The problem with that, though, is you're working 50 hours a week. You spend the majority of your life working and doing something that does not fulfill you and is probably almost toxic to you. And subconsciously, you know it. And you know you're doing something that really has very little meaning and is really only is really only existing to make other people money. That's the, that's the existence of but your there job. Are, there are people that work in the financial industry that they really actually truly are looking at helping other people find stability and make they're money to help the right. fulfill them. So yes, there, there's so, a so, portion of that. So there true. is, there are those people that truly do it. There are the people you're talking about and that, that just want money to have money in the greed. And then there are people that truly want to become financial advisors to help other people understand yes. money when they don't understand it so that they can have a stable 
existence while trying to fulfill their lives. So yes, the first step is finding a job that's fulfilling. And then sometimes, and that's the other thing about, like we talked about earlier about, you know, cost of living. Sometimes you take less pay to have a job that you enjoy more. And then eventually you can work up and make more money as you grow in that position. But that's the thing that I think right now in our society that is lacking and missing is the understanding that no matter what you want, you're going to have to sacrifice something. If I want to spend more time with my kid, I have to spend less time at work. We only get so much time because we have decided that every time this, we circle the sun, it's this much, you know, every time the, the earth circles, that's a day. Every time it goes all the way around the sun, that's a year, right? So when we decided that, that's what we decided was time. Okay, so now we only get so much of that and everybody gets a different amount. Nobody gets the same amount of time. Everybody gets a different amount because everybody dies at a different moment in their life, right? There And again, there's exceptions to the rule. Some people do die in the same moment. I get it. But they weren't born on the same day at the same time. That's very rare. I imagine, I wonder if that's ever happened. If somebody has been born at the same minute and died at the same minute. Has to have happened. Nine billion. But it has to have happened, right? But anyways, I digress. But the point is, is that in all of that and in, in the understanding of all of what we're talking about, I lost my train of thought because I got distracted by if somebody had acted. What was I talking about? Uh, of fulfillment, making sure that you find a job. There's always going to be a sacrifice. Oh, right, right. You're always going to sacrifice something to get where you want to be. The things that you want always take sacrifice. And if you're not willing to sacrifice what it takes, that's okay. Just know that you're not probably not ever going to get to that thing. Right? Like if I want six-pack abs from the position I'm in, that means I'm going to have to work out three hours a day in some capacity, and I'm going to have to eat way fucking healthier than I am now. Measure all your foods. It's a commitment that people do not understand. Right. It's like you have to live a very specific lifestyle in a very specific way to have And have good genetics. Right. And then have good genetics on top of it. Like when I had a six-pack, I was early 20s. And my teens and younger, but I was playing sports three to five hours a day. I was working out and, and metabolic, metabolic, and metabolically, your body, your body was different firing at that age. and firing it at that age, yeah. right? So, in order to maintain that and keep that, you have to make sacrifices on other things. And some people, those aren't sacrifices for some people. For you, it's not a sacrifice to not eat donuts. Like this, like you don't want to eat them. Right? right, like it's right. not. It's, so it's not. It's a sacrifice for me because I enjoy them. Like I like finding a new donut place and trying a donut there. The problem that I have to the the choice then has to become okay. Can you have one donut instead of six? Right, and that's where that eating too fast and making the choices and and but that's because it came important to me though because right. if you ask me, do I enjoy eating a donut? Like, do, do I enjoy the taste? How do you not enjoy the taste of a donut? Some people just don't. Okay, yeah. rare. Right. Rare. It's like not liking bacon. Right, but it became important to you and you made that decision and that's and that's a decision you lived with. It took this time. Right. But it's also like what you want, there's a sacrifice for it. What I want, there's sacrifices for. I wanted to give my niece a home that was safe, that I knew she would be safe, that I knew she would have somebody forever that loved her and took care of her. So I adopted her. I sacrificed a career in art and doing other things 
That's now taking full circle and coming back around because she's getting older. But I sacrificed a lot of things to raise a kid by myself, right? I sacrificed a lot of things to move in with my wife and marry my wife, things that were important to me before but aren't important to me now because she became more important. Yeah. Right? When something comes more important, the sacrifice becomes very easy. The problem is, is people want something that they don't actually want. They want the idea of it. They like the idea of that thing. And if it was easier, they would totally take it. But when they find out how much work it takes, they're not interested. Well, sacrificing is about delaying gratification for something in the future that is going to be way more gratifying than it is now. Most people don't have that foresight or discipline to do it. Right. That's the one thing trade that I would tell people if develop discipline as soon as you can, however you can do it. Figure out how to develop discipline. It's it's a trait that can be 100% developed. It's not like something you're just born with. But the moment you get control and you get disciplined around anything, it's like we were talking about before. I want to get healthy. Fine, start somewhere. I, I won't want to tell you where to start. You tell me where you're going to start. And then let's go off from there and bounce off. Discipline is the same thing. How do I get disciplined? By being disciplined. That's it. By not being weak. There's no hacks. I hate hacks. I hate a lot of all this. I hate... I get more and more frustrated the longer I get into this industry and keep seeing videos on fitness and diets and and hacks with stuff. It's like people looking for the easy way out. And but you got guys like Jocko out there as just like he wrote a book, Discipline Equals Freedom. It's at my 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 14 year old read it on her own without me saying anything. That's why if you're a parent, quit telling your kids what they should and shouldn't do. Be a role model. Parenting right now, not to go, not to digress, but parenting right now is pathetic. It's pathetic. I don't disagree. You know, you, you can't tell a kid to do or not do something or to eat right or not or to not eat this, and then you're eating like a piece of shit, or you tell them to get to sleep. You know, you got to get your sleep, got to sleep. But you're going to bed at midnight and waking up at five just so you can go to your job and try to make more money on top of more money. It's 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 it's, it's pathetic. But discipline comes first. You got it. If you, I keep trying to hammer that home with my kids. It's the number one thing that will get you to anywhere you want to go. Anywhere, whether it's job or relationship, it's delaying that gratification for something better in the future, way better in the future. Because anything worth it, anything we're talking about happy, contentment and fulfillment, that impulse gratification is just empty. Over and over again, it's empty. And until you can delay that gratification, put in the hard work, sacrifice, grit, all those awesome traits, that all the really success people, successful people that you respect, not the successful people, financial success that you don't respect, guys like Jocko, guys like Rogan, you know, and you can criticize them, but man, they just put in the work, quietly put in the work. And now you see the other side of it is they developed a discipline. And I'll do it voluntarily. The best way to develop discipline is do it voluntarily. Choose it yourself. Small, small, small increments, you know, Alarm clock, don't hit snooze. Never hit snooze in my life, ever. Alarm clock goes off. If I even make it to it without getting up, boom, I'm up. That's the best thing you can do for yourself in the morning. Never hit snooze. The moment you hit snooze, you quit. You just quit. You decided you, you become a quitter at that point. And then it allows you to quit everything else. People got to remember that things are, um, everything, small thing you do becomes a habit. It's like lying. Small lie to protect somebody's feelings. Bad idea. Because that small lie, you had the right intentions. You, you, you training yourself to, that lying is okay. 
but it's okay because it's ethically okay. But now, but all of a sudden that turns into unethical at some point. It's like quitting something, anything. It's like if you, the thing I would tell my kids or tell an adult is if you start something, you finish it no matter what. Just whether you hate it, just just finish it out. Make Uphold your commitment. Because if you quit anywhere along the way, that gives you a pass next time. And that's a habit every time. That's why I'm pretty empathetic to people that have like really bad habits and stuff like that or drink soda every day. It's like, I'm not, but it's hard to quit stuff. It's really hard because you you gain momentum one way or the other in a good direction or a bad direction. And that momentum is like, it's a snowball that goes down a very steep hill. It gains momentum very quickly. Very quickly do you go from a half a soda a day to five quickly because you gave yourself a pass. Soda's okay. I can drink soda. It's no big deal. One's okay. Two's okay. It's like you have to stop it somewhere. Stop it somewhere and then five's not okay anymore. I'm going to drink three today. And now it's that snowball, snowball maybe starts going down the other side to the good side. But nothing can replace discipline. On that, we're going to have some discipline and call this a night. All right. Where can people find you? It's probably past my bedtime. Where can people find you? Uh, Glastonbury, Mission Fitness. Yep, Mission Fitness in Glastonbury. Um, you can check out our you know, our Facebook stuff too that, that we're happy that you're doing putting that material out uh, the best I can. I struggle with social media still. <laughs> I'll get on it. It's like one of those things I make it a priority because I, I understand that, you know, the the value of that, that it does it does help people. Um, I'm torn by it at times though, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I do understand because it's helped me. You know, I, a lot of what I learned in the last five, six years has been through people I would never have been able to have contact with unless there was YouTube and social media and podcasts. So, um, yeah, Mission Fitness LLC on Facebook and um Mission Fitness Glastonbury on Instagram, and then otherwise come check us out on Glastonbury. Sweet. Thanks, brother. Thanks, sir. Thank you.